You know, many of you are here and, and you've never heard Woody before and, and this is maybe, you know, your first opportunity or time to come and, and to listen. But I want to encourage you. You've come expecting that you've come into the building expecting to hear what God has to say to you. And, you know, as you come expecting to the Lord, he will pour out to you. So just as we've prayed, you know, over these last few months and and, and in the beginning of the year to now that God opens up our ears, that we hear things that we've never heard, that we see things that we've never seen, that God plants a seed in our heart tonight that brings forth a harvest in our lives. Amen. We've known Woody for years and years and years and years, and he's been a friend of ours. He and his wife, Pam, their son, Joey. We still use his wife, Pam's book on righteousness in our righteousness VBI class. It's one of the best ones I've ever read. I understood it. That's what I needed. Something I understand. And so we've been very privileged over the years to have Woody come and to share the word with us. And we're very thankful that he's here tonight. So if you could give my friend a big hand as he comes tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you love Jesus, you can be seated. (laughs) If not, stand up so I know who you are. So it'll make my job a lot easier. Come on now. (laughs) You're going to find out something about me. I'm going to have a good time no matter what. Come on now. There's no sad Holy Ghost. (laughs) I got a happy pappy. You know, the only people that are sad are the Sadducees. And that's because they lost sight of the resurrection. Come on now. We won, baby. You know, we're not even trying to get the victory. We have it. Thanks be to God who's given us the victory. You know, and tonight I want to deal with something. You go to 1 Corinthians 13. We've been on the subject already, so we might as well stay on it. I want to deal with radical love. Because honestly, if we don't get this thing right, we get nothing right. Period. Nothing. Nothing in the kingdom works apart from love because God is love. And if it's not motivated by love, God's not in it. Period. You know, and I believe God's trying to get the church back to a radical love for him and That begins with receiving his radical love for us. How many of you understand there's nothing you can do to make God not love you? Think about that. No matter what you do tonight, God's going to love you. He may not like what you do, but he's going to love you no matter what. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1, and uh, just a quick announcement. My wife has a new book out called The Healing Flow. It's it's an e-book. If you go to Amazon.com. Uh, I, I challenge you to get it. It's, it's, you know, I love Righteousness Revealed. You guys have used that. And my wife's written five or six books. I don't know how many. But this last book is what she learned from Oral Roberts about the healing ministry. And she wrote directly. I mean, she was with Oral for 10 years. And basically, God chances to observe the man, read everything he ever said publicly or privately because it all was recorded behind the scenes type of stuff, not in his house, but in any meetings he had. And so she tells some stories that Oral never told. It's an amazing book. That's all I got to say. I would just, 
I told her, I, you know, I just it set me set me ablaze just reading it. So, and I had the proofreading. So, just quickie. But First Corinthians thirteen one says, "If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing." If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. How many of you understand, again, whatever you do apart from love, it doesn't count. You know, sacrifice apart from love doesn't count. And to be honest with you, God literally is going to want, he wants us to be moved with compassion. And he wants to take out the heart of stone, put in the heart of flesh. We found out in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, that love never fails. Everything else will fail. One of the reasons I'm preaching on love is because one of the signs of the last days is that the love of many will grow cold. Because many times we go through tough times and we toughen our heart instead. You know, God wants you tough-minded, not tough-hearted. Come on now. And be honest with you, many times in try, trying to protect ourselves, we stop caring. God really dealt with me towards the end of last year. He, he made this statement to me. He said, remember when you used to care? <laughs> I didn't like that. I mean, but it doesn't make a difference. It was love talking. And he said, remember when you used to care that people were going to hell? Remember when it used to bother you when people died early? And, and he said, it's not that you don't care at all. It's just you don't care like you used to. Come on. And then God began to bring me back. Something's happened in the last several months. When I, you know, Years ago, I was scheduled to preach in a church in Kansas and it was one of those things where God told me I was supposed to preach there. And I, I, I kept knocking on the door, and the pastor didn't seem to hear. You know, it wasn't I was asking my way in. It just God said, hey, you know, it's going to open. It took several years of prayer for a breakthrough. And it was a large church in a small town. They, they, they ran six or 700 people in a town of 3,000. That's a pretty good-sized church. They were doing something. And I'll never forget that because when, when I drove in to preach at that church, when I drove into town, I began to weep uncontrollably. And that's not me. I'm not a weeper. The only time I weep is when, when someone eats the last piece of pizza or something like that. You know, now that's, the, you know, I'm just not. You know, I, I, you know I, I believe sometimes when men get in touch with their feelings, they need deliverance. I'm not a real, I'm not a real touchy-feely type of person. I'm just not. You know, I'm a very emotional person, but I'm emotional in terms of more the let's charge, let's get it done. Come on. You know, and that type of thing. I'm not, I'm not just that guy that just falls apart a lot. But I walked into town. I mean, I drove into town. I began to weep uncontrollably, and that bothered me. What bothered me, it, never, it didn't stop. I got into town around 2, and a lot of times I'd go back in those days, I would walk the streets and pray, and I looked like Jeremiah the weeping prophet. And I'm just, just crying. I'm thinking, oh, come on, Lord, this is not good. 
And it was, it was a church that wasn't an emotional church. So I thought, you know, they were taking a chance in having me anyway because I'm kind of a wild thing, you know, compared to where they are. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, I was hoping I could just subdue it. But I'm weeping. I'm in awe. I finally called my wife, and she said, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. I can't stop crying. I think it's God. I hope it's not a nervous <laughs> breakdown, you know. I mean, I think it's a God thing. Yeah, I woke up the next morning, and I wasn't weeping when I woke up, so I was happy. Then I did, every, I did really well until it was time to go preach at the church. And I got behind the pulpit, and I said, let's open in prayer. And I just put my head down to pray and close my eyes, and next thing I know, my, my face is, is buried in the plexiglass pulpit, and I'm sobbing uncontrollably. And I'm thinking, and for 45 minutes, I'm stuck there. And I'm thinking, they're coming to take me away. Ha ha. <laughs> now they know I'm a basket case or something. And I'm, and I'm just looking at my shoes that weren't polished. And I, I'm really thinking, this is, Lord, this is not good. And when I finally was able to lift my head up, I looked in the altar were filled with people. They were all weeping. The aisles were filled with everyone was face down. Marriages were being healed. Backsliders were coming back. People were coming to Christ. Bodies were being healed. And it was just like a a love invasion, and God was just melting the hearts. It was supposed to be a one-day service and end up being ten days. During that time, you could not walk into the building without weeping. It was literally impossible. And there were people that were flying relatives in from out of the country, from other states. And people, they would be angry that they were forced to come to church. And the moment they hit the doorway of the church, it was the ushers would be ready to lead them to Christ because they begin to weep uncontrollably. During that series of meetings, it's the only time I've ever experienced it. I've talked with other people uh, years ago, I heard Brother Hagen talking about it and, and Brother Roberts that during the healing revivals, there were times it just seemed like it was easy to get people healed. And everyone would be healed. Well, during that 10-day period, everyone was healed. We had people coming out of wheelchairs. We had deaf ears opened. I mean, we had cancers go. And literally, I know I know when it stopped because... I watched myself ministering to people. It was almost like an out-of-body thing. It was no longer me but Christ. I watched me ministering, and yet I was out here. And I thought if I took one more step in the Spirit, I'd be gone. And I remember that night because it's, I got so scared that I was getting so deep that I, I didn't want to leave yet. <laughs> and I actually pulled myself back in. And from that moment on, we've had great services. We have, we've had... We've had a lot of people healed. We've had a lot of miracles, but nothing like that. And there's always been a hunger in my heart of, God, what is the next step? Now, I've talked to other ministers who have experienced something very similar to that. And I said, God, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm ready. I mean, I'm ready to be Enoch. Take one more step and be not. Come on now. I'm ready to that. I just want to know what the next step into the glory like that is. And, you know, I'm sharing this because something began to happen like I said, the end of last year, and, and I, I found myself at times being overcome just with 
you know, just basically weeping and praying for this nation and for the nation of the world. And I, 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 you know, and I recognized it was just like it was during that season. And I was preaching, I started the year off preaching in Kentucky, and there was a prophetess named Bobby Jean Merck, and she's become a good friend of mine, she's friends with the Copelands, and, and she called up, she said, Woody, I got a scripture for you. Joel 2.17, it says the priest is going to weep between the porch and the altar. And he said, the Lord showed me that, this is, that there's going to be a, a move of God among leadership where they're going to once again begin to weep and, and be concerned and be moved with compassion. And he said, after that, there'll be a fresh outpouring. I believe God wants to take out, in Ezekiel 11, he wants to take out the heart of stone, put in the heart of flesh. He wants to get us to the place where we care again. Because if we don't care, we're not anointable. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because there's people in prison. There are people who have lost their, their vision. They're hurting people. There are people with cancer. There are people that need deliverance. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because if we don't have the cause, we're not anointable. You know, Acts 10.38 says this, Jesus went about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So what I'm saying is the anointing is to do good. It's a do-good anointing, not a feel-good anointing. And guess what? If you don't, if you're not going to do anything, you really don't need the anointing. You can do nothing without the anointing. Come on. (laughs) But if you want to do something, you're going to need the anointing of God. And how many of you recognize this is kind of an evil, evil time in the nation, in the nation, in the world, really? And Romans 12, 21 says you overcome evil with good. I believe God wants to activate the church to do good. I believe there's an anointing to be a do-gooder. Come on now. There are good works foreordained from the foundation of the world, and that love demands it. You know, your faith works by love. Every time Jesus was moved with compassion, something good happened. Every time he was moved with compassion, he healed the sick, he fed people. Uh, you know, it's when he was moved that way. And I believe the same that the heart of God needs to be in us, where we're moved with compassion, where we care. We need to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Have you ever noticed that love itself is inconvenient? <laughs> you know, Jesus, he had his own schedule, but many times he was stopped along the way, with, like Jairus saying, my daughter's at the point of death. If you come to the house, lay your hands on her, she's going to live. Love is willing to be inconvenienced. Love is willing to, to drop your schedule for a God appointment. Come on. And I believe God wants to get the church back to what is real and what is true. Because what the world is looking for is love. Sweet love. And the reason, the reason they're looking for love in the wrong places is the love has not been in the right place. Come on. Good preaching. Thank you. I remember years ago, and, and 
I, I was scheduled to preach at a youth conference, and it's a, it's, I, I just love seeing young people because I used to be one. <laughs> you know, years ago, God said, I mean, it was only a few years ago, God said, I want you to start doing some youth work again. I'm doing some youth rallies again. And I, I remember when he told me that, I said, Lord, do you know how old I am? He said, I'm older than you are. I work with them. <laughs> I said, I'm not cool anymore. He said, you never were. <laughs> He'll tell you the truth. <laughs> Come on. And, you know, but years ago, I was, I was about ready to do my first big meeting. It was like, you know, I was pastoring a, a, a youth group of about 30 or 40 youth pastor. And I was going to speak to several hundred youth. And I was trying to get the word for the moment, which I always am trying to do. There's a word in due season, a word that moves you. It's a word on wheels. In fact, if what I preach doesn't move people, it bothers me. Because I want people to act on it. I want to give them something they can do. Come on. I don't want just notes in a notebook. I want God to write in their heart. And, and, and I'm saying, God, I, I need to have a word. And, and I, I, how many of you have ever asked God for something and, and you're praying and it seems like the heavens are brass? You're hearing nothing. And I didn't want to pull one of my old sermons out. And, I, and we were in an apartment at the time. I'm pacing back and forth saying, God, I need a word. And I look outside the window and there's a seven-year-old boy and he's crying. His name was Damon. And I knew why he was crying. His parents would fight every night. You know, his dad was a jerk. I mean, he was one of those guys who I kept saying, Lord, that, that man needs a whooping. Here am I. Send me. But <laughs> some of you know people like that. You know, I was volunteering, but it just didn't seem like he was accepting my invitation. But I saw him, he's out there crying. I heard the Lord say, go minister to him. And I said these words. It came right out of my mouth. I said, Lord, any other day but today. I said, I got to get a message together. And the Lord said, go minister to him. I said, Lord, I need a message. And the Lord said, you want me to give you scripture and verse? Because that's the way God thinks to me, you know, speaks to me. And he said, he said, you can turn your Bible if you want to Luke chapter 10. I said, the Good Samaritan, right? He said, yeah. I knew exactly what he was saying. He said, all those religious people were so busy going to church that when a man was broken down on the side of the road. And the Lord told me, he said, you want to be like the, the professional religious crowd? Are you going to actually be real and genuine? And I have to ask you the same question. You know, do you want to be genuine? You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be genuine. You got to be real. And I, I knew. So I went out there and I, and I knew how to reach the kid. And I, I said, Damon, I said, do you want to have a father that will love you no matter what? You want a father that even when you're bad, he's going to be for you, not against you. He's always going to leave the best for you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never do anything to hurt you. He said, more than anything, I said, then let me, re let me introduce you to such a father. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. 
I said, you, your heavenly father. I said, the moment you receive Christ, your heavenly father will always be there, even if your earthly dad is not. And he'll fill the void. It was really easy for me to lead him to Christ. And he prayed, and it was so exciting, and I forgot all about the meeting. I was so, I mean, you know. And I said, well, you want to go, you want to play catch? Because I always loved playing baseball. It's like 110 degrees outside in Oklahoma, but who cares? And we're playing catch for several hours. I'm soaking wet. And my wife comes in from riding for all Roberts at the time. And Pam looks at me and says, you're supposed to be preaching in 15 minutes. So I ran inside and did a man shower. Now, a, a man shower, you don't actually need water. Come on now. So, I mean, I'm soaked, so I run in, take a towel, and, and wipe off all the sweat. Then I pour as much talcum powder as I can on me, spray some really bad-smelling cologne, put a T-shirt on, we ready to preach, baby. And I preached on the love of God, and it worked. You know why? Because I was real. I was genuine. And I believe we, if we'll just get real again, come on now. If we'll just get genuine again, if we'll just begin to care for people again, instead of judge them, help them. Come on. Give them some good news. Let them know God's not angry at them. Everything will begin to change. And you don't have to be something you're not. You don't have to be spooky spiritual. You don't. In fact, if you are... Maybe you'll reach somebody. I don't know. <laughs> I got a friend of mine that is 93 years young. He's he actually dates my mother-in-law. She's 87. He's 93. And he still drives Mr. Magoo, but whatever. <laughs> but he builds birdhouses. And he's, he, he can fix anything. In fact, he's won the state fair for several years, and his birdhouses bring several hundred dollars apiece, and he gives it to missions. Pretty cool guy. And what I love about this man is he'll say, I'm not very religious. But he, fix, he can fix anything. Plumbing, carpentry work, electrical work. And there are literally a, at least a hundred widowers that depend on him. In fact, I believe the reason he's still alive today is he doesn't have time to die. <laughs> I mean, you know, every, every time they need something done, this, this old man goes over and does it, and he does everything for free. Doesn't charge a man thing. All he asks is that they go to church. One time with them. You know, his church, their biggest section is retired people. And most of the people there are there because this man invited them. You know, the Bible says, let your light shine. Let your light. Let them see your good works. They'll glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, he's the type of man, if he, if he hit his thumb with a hammer, he wouldn't use King James English. And probably the word that would come out would not be praise you, Jesus. But his life is a living epistle. And I challenge you, you know, find out what you do and do it. Do all the good you can, all the time you can, to all the people you can, in all the ways you can. Come on. I challenge you that, that your life be, count for something good. Does this make sense?
See, what, what I found out is, is the world, don't, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I remember years ago, several years ago now, I do the grocery shopping in our family. Because the reason I do it as a whole is because years ago when we first started, we were first married, we never knew if we had enough money. And the, the hardest thing, I mean, to me it was embarrassing, but to my wife it was even worse than embarrassing, was going through a line and be, basically not having enough money to pay for things and having to put them back. So I would do it. And I'm grateful those days are over. <laughs> Very grateful. God got us through some tough times. Some of you may be in tough times. Let me know you. God will get you through. Come on, he's faithful. You know? But I remember several years ago, I, was go, I went through the, bought the groceries. I'm heading out of Reese's. And the Lord said, stop. And I, I stopped. And I looked and I saw this lady and she had the cart there. And she, I saw the troubled look on her face and it brought me back about 20 years. I knew exactly what she was feeling. Been there, done that. And when I saw that, I heard the Spirit of God say, just take care of the groceries. And, you know, so I, I, I went up and, and I watched them actually, and she had to put some items back. So I went up there and I told the, told the cashier, I said, I'll, I'll buy all the groceries for her. And she said, you don't need to do that, but I only have a few items I couldn't afford. And I said, ma'am, your, your money's not good right now. You know, I got to do something for you. And... You gotta understand something. I had shopped at that grocery store for 15 years. Everyone knew me as Reverend Woodson. They all they all thought I was a pretty nice guy because I am, as a whole. I may be a jerk, but I'm a lovable jerk. Come on now, I know that. You know, I love being with me. In fact, I love being with me more than anybody, almost anybody else, but God, because the two constants in my life are me and God. You know, if you don't like being with yourself, you're in trouble. Because you're always with you. And if you're not with you, you're in trouble. <laughs> Sometimes I get beside myself and have an intelligent conversation. But, <laughs> you know. But I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm watching this thing. And, and when they saw me pay for it, you know, for 15 years, they would talk to me a little bit. After that, people would come up to me, the workers. And they, and they would say, you know... I have a kid that's on drugs. Can you, can you help me? Can you pray for me? Can you do that? They weren't hitting me up for money necessarily. They were talking about their marriage problems. They were talking about that. And next thing you know, I, I get a call from the owner of, of, of the chain. And he said, I heard you've been helping my people. I said, yes, sir. He said, do you mind if when you're in the area, if we can send employees that are having problems to that store? And you can, can you help them too? And opened everything up. See, love does that. Come on. Love makes a way. Come on. Well, I found out indifference finds an excuse. Love always finds a way. Come on. You know, I don't really care what you drive. I care what drives you, what motivates you. And every one of you, you you may not have the same type of love for everyone, but there's an area of your life that your heart is different in. You know, for some, I, I have some, I have a t- couple of teenagers that they love old people. They love, I mean, they love 
going to the nursing homes. It's a weird thing to me. You know, I do it, but it's not what I look forward to. But they absolutely, their heart's that way. My son is, you know, you know my son is a, a very, he's still a young man, very successful. And, but, and he's not an emotional kid. But if he sees orphans, you know, starving kids, he'll just begin to weep like a little baby. And nothing else will move him that way. I mean, nothing else will. But that's because that's of an anointing. Come on now. See, God wants to soften your heart in some area where your heart is moved. Because I, I, I believe if many times God wants to feed the poor, but he needs a body. He wants to, he wants to heal the sick, but he needs a body. You know, you're somebody. Come on. You can use your body for good. You can use your body for evil. But in light of God's mercy, present your body as a living sacrifice. Does this make sense? See, when, when, you're, when you're in love, you do crazy things. You know? And you don't even know they're crazy. You know, you'll, 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 you'll go all night long and, and, and it doesn't make a difference. What do you have to sacrifice to be with the one you love? You know, I believe the church needs to fall back in love with Jesus. Because too many times some of us love our disappearing, we just don't love his appearing. <laughs> we, we want out of here, but we're not, we, we want him to come back, not that we're in love with him, we just want out of here. Come on. You know, God wants to get us back to that first love relationship. You know, when you're in love... You give. And you don't even think of it that way. The woman with the alabaster jar of perfume, it was a year's worth of wages in Mark 14. And yet she cracked open that jar of perfume and and, and basically poured it all over Jesus' feet to anoint him for burial. And all the disciples, it wasn't just Judas, if you look at the script, all the disciples were upset. They thought it was a waste. What I found out is people who don't love as much as you love don't understand why you sacrifice. Come on now. Because for you, it's just reasonable. For them, it's unreasonable. Come on. But when you're in love, what's unreasonable becomes reasonable. When you're a parent, you, you make sure your kids get clothed. You make sure many times in, at Christmas, if, if you only have money for presents, it's them. You know, a lot of times, you know, when you're, you make sure your kids get the proper clothing, even if you're wearing hand-me-downs. And you don't even think, I, I never think of it in terms of sacrifice. I just call it parenting. Come on now. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, good parents understand that love demands sacrifice. It does. In fact, honestly, if we're not sacrificing anything, we're not loving. Does this make sense? Because, you know, how many of you understand everything, everything, the only thing we owe people is to love one another. And, that, and everything works in the kingdom that way. 
God begins to lead you. God begins to move on you. And Luke 6.31 it says, treat others like you want them to treat you. I've learned, if you just love others as you love yourself, the problem is most Christians do, but they hate themselves. They hate other people too. But, <laughs> but you know, honestly, God wants us to, to, to be a conduit of blessing and love. He blessed us to make, me a, to make us a blessing. I asked, I said, Lord, how come the church is not walking in the fullness of blessing? He said, because they're not walking in love. Think about that. I remember years ago I was preaching in, in, in uh, Colorado and several meetings, did several meetings. And one of, at the end of one of the services, someone gave me one of those little Pentecostal, we call them Pentecostal handshakes. I always liked that because usually it's either a check or a wad of bills or something. And then people would, you know, they want to bless you. And I, 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 I always like to receive it. I never discourage it. <laughs> oh, no. I, you know, when I first started, I had that false humility. Oh, no. Now I say, bring it on, baby. <laughs> you know, I get rid of that religious spirit. Just get, get real. Well, I, I, never th- I didn't think much. I always say thank you. I never look at what people do till later. I got back to the hotel room. I figure it was a lot of $1 bills or maybe fives, but there were $100 bills. It was a nice handshake. It was like seven $100 bills. I said, that's pretty cool. And, you know, with me, I'll give away anything unless God tells me I, I have to keep it. You know, most people are the opposite end, but I, I mean, with me, it's like God provides seed for the sower. And I love it when he gives me some pretty good seed because I have no problem giving away other people's stuff. <laughs> so when I looked at the, the seven $100 bills, the first thing the Lord told me is it's not yours. I said, thank you. I mean, he has to force me to keep stuff. And so in the next place I'm going, I'm thinking, who am I going to bless with this? And I'm looking, I said, because I, I don't like carrying someone else's money and, and you know, I don't want to be, steal. So I want to distribute. And I'm looking and all during the services, I did three or four services, nobody. And I was getting a little nervous because I didn't want to go home with the money. You know, it's burning a hole in my pocket. You know, I just want. And we went out to eat afterwards. I'll never forget, we, the last night we go out to eat. It's a real fancy steak place. And me, me and seven other people from the church, and we walk in there, and nobody will wait on us. Restaurant is empty. There's no, there are like 20 employees, and we are the only other people in the restaurant. And I'm listening to them argue. You wait on them. No, you wait on them. You, I'm thinking, what is going on? So I looked at the youngest waiter because I, and called him over because I figured he might obey me. I said, you, get over here. And he came over to me, and he, I, I said, what is wrong with you guys? He said, you're church people, aren't you? I said, yes, we are. He said, nobody wants to wait on you here. I said, why? He said, because we just had a group of about 40, and he said the, 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 the bill was $1,200 and the tip was 5 Well, all of a sudden, 
I know. I know. Come on. I got seven $100 bills that God needed to get his reputation fixed. Because one of his cheap kids, come on now, a group of his cheapos came in there. So he needed to have someone to fix it. So I look at the, 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 the waiter and I looked at him. I said, look at me. He looks at me. I said, I'm rich. He said, you're what? I said, I'm rich. Well, I felt rich. I had seven $100 bills. Come <laughs> on now. I said, I'm rich, and I'll take care of you. He said, you sure you're rich? I said, I'm positive. Even if you don't have a dime, Christ became poor that you might be made rich. Come on now. You're rich in mercy, rich in grace, but it's nice to have some money too. So, I mean, we, we had such a good time with the waiter all the time. We're joking. He, he couldn't believe I was a preacher. He said, you sure you're, you're a preacher? I said, I've got a card to prove it. I said, why don't you believe I'm a preacher? He said, because you're fun. He'd never met a fun preacher before. So, you know, we're having such a good time. I told the pastor I was with, I said, why don't you ask him to receive Christ? He's going to receive Christ. He said, are you sure he's going to receive Christ? I said, yes. He said, then I'll ask him. So I said, okay. And he, he had, by that time, the restaurant's full of people. And he said, do you want to make Jesus Lord of your life? This guy falls to his knees in the middle of the restaurant. I just thought he'd bow his head. And he raises his hands up. He starts screaming, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. And he's shaking violently. I'm thinking, oh, man. Probably had some Pentecostal roots somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, he, he got radically saved. And, and he went back into the kitchen. He's crying. Well, he left the bill on the table. And I told the pastor, I said, you can pay for the bill. I'm just leaving a $700 tip. And the bill was like $300. He, and he looks at me. He said, you're leaving seven $100? I said, yes, I am. He said, I'm in on it. We left a $1,200 tip. Well, when the guy comes back and looks at the tip, he loses it again. He goes back in and starts crying. <laughs> Then he comes over at the very end and, you know, he said, do you mind if I, I give some of the money to my girlfriend? She works here. I said, it's your money. You do whatever you want to it. You know. So she calls over the girlfriend. She's crying. Tells him what's going on. And then she says, where's your church? I said, well, I'm a visiting pastor, but pastor, you tell him where the church is. And he, he told him where the church is. You know, they're in church to this day. They were living together. They got married. They got, their life has been put back together. You know, it was, well, it was well worth it. You know, how many people understand there are things God will show you? And you, we just have to be obedient. Come on. I don't leave a $700 tip everywhere I go. So don't, if you wait on me, don't get disappointed. <laughs> you know, I do tip very well, by the way. Because I believe God is generous, not stingy. Come on now. I believe if you'll bless other people, God will continue to bless you. Come on. Does this make sense? What I found out is all the world's looking for is the real deal. You know, and you, you, once we really start caring, because I asked, I said, God, years ago, we got a lot more people saved and we didn't know anything. He said, but you cared more. 
Everything in the kingdom works by love. And he said, guess what? Love will overlook your, your stupid theology sometimes. <laughs> and God will still show up because you love people. Come on. You know, now we got our theology together, but the sad thing is, we don't care. And God's trying to stir you back up. Let me again show you how many people understand God wants to give you a love assignment. There may be people around you or, or someone, and, and he'll, he'll cause you to love someone that you normally wouldn't love. Have you ever had your heart just go out to somebody and, and you know... Several years ago, I'm in the Atlanta airport, and I've already been preaching for two weeks, and I get like a six-hour delay, and I am bored. Normally, I'm exhausted. Now, I'm not exhausted. I'm just bored, and I'm a people watcher. How many of you are people watchers? Everywhere I go, I think people are funny. I think everyone's funny. Come on now, and if you're real serious, I think you're even funnier. I just, I think everyone's funny. I really do. I think God has a good sense of humor. If you don't believe God has a good sense of humor, look to the left of you, look to the right of you, look in the mirror. You're all funny. And I'm one of those that I eavesdrop on every conversation. If I go to a restaurant, I'm listening to all the conversations I can. And there are times I like the conversation at one table, but I'm seated at a different table, and I want to jump in on that one. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, you know, you know, you're just like me. That's sad, isn't it? We must be related. Same father, different mother. Uh, (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Hey, we're born again. We all got the same father. (laughs) Everything goes back to who's your daddy anyway. (laughs) Come on. Well, I'm stuck at the airport and I'm bored and I'm saying, God, I need some excitement because I'm, you know, I'm one of those people who will create excitement if there isn't any. I mean, I'll create a fight just to stop it. <laughs> and I'm looking and all of a sudden my, my, my radar is on this little two-year-old. This kid must have had more sugar than any kid in the history because... He was amazing. He was running up and down. If there was a do not enter sign, he's through the door. If there was a button that shouldn't be pushed, he was pushing it. He's, he's climbing on top of people, pulling hair. He was amazing. And you know, uh, you could tell the mother was horrified. She was overmatched. And my heart was going out to the mom because, you know, if it, 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 for you that just have complaining children, God bless you. But not every child is wired the same way. It doesn't even mean it's a bad parent. Sometimes it's just an adventuresome kid. So I'm watching this, and I'm in love with this kid because finally I got some activity. And I can tell I'm the only one in love with him in the entire airport, you know. <laughs> And I was I actually was going to go over and ask the mom if I could play with them. Actually, I was, you know, because I was bored. But it, unfortunately, they called my my flight. Finally, they were boarding, 
And I'm looking over there. I'm, I'm kind of sad I got to leave this kid. And I boarded first because of how much I fly. You know, so I'm sitting there. Next thing I know, the whole plane's full and the, the very last people on. It's the mama and Johnny Angel. And there's only one seat open. Guess where it is? Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and I'm actually happy to see her. And the mom was so funny because she's apologizing. The plane's full, and we got to sit somewhere. (laughs) I said, it's okay. Trust me, it's okay. So she sits down. As soon as she sits down, the boy starts pulling the hair of the person in front. I love that kid. You know, and it's, you know the, the plane takes off. The kid's wired. You could tell she is just exhausted, Mom. And I, I looked over at her, and I, I didn't want her to think I was some weirdo because nowadays you don't know. But I said, do you mind if I hold him? She looked at me. I said, you look exhausted. Do you mind if I hold him? She said, you want to hold him? <laughs> Well, while I was saying that, he's pulling my mustache, you know. I said, yeah, I want to hold him. She said, he can hurt you, you know. I said, it will be okay. She said, you sure you want to hold him? I said, yeah. She said, well, it's your life. And she hands me the boy. And I think she faked going to sleep. Like, I'm not, you know, I got rid of him. I don't want him back right now. <laughs> Because she went right, she, she closed her eyes, she was gone. Well, I'm holding on to this kid, and at first I'm tickling him and trying to get his energy in the right direction. And then the anointing kicks in. And the next thing you know, you know, he, he didn't go just to sleep, but he has his head on my shoulder. Sweet kid. And when, you know, the mom wakes up because the plane's about ready to land. And she sees the kid with the head on my shoulder, and she looks at me. She said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> well, I knew she thought I was a child psychiatrist and that I gave the kid some drugs. And I knew she wanted to buy some. <laughs> I said, I'm a preacher. She said, my son doesn't like people. I said, he likes me. She said, how did you do that? I said, do what? Make him relax like that. I said, it's the anointing. She said, it's the annoying? I said, no, that's what's around when there's no anointing. (laughs) I've been in things where they called it anointed and it was annoying. She said, how do you get the anointing? That's like a fish jumping in the boat. I said, well, I said, you, I said, do you want the anointing? She said, I think I need it. I said, I think you need it too. <laughs> she said, well, how do I get it? I said, you have to receive the anointed one. But Christ means anointed one. I said, if you ask Jesus into your heart, you get the anointed one with his anointing. So I said, do you want to do it? She said, yeah. So I led her to the Lord. And it was cool. And she's so happy, and the plane is delayed. We're, we're circling. So I know I have time to get filled with the Holy Ghost. So I told her, I said, you want more anointing? 
I said, you got the anointing in you, but you're, you, I've met your son. And I said, you, you, you need the anointing to come out like rivers, you know. And I said, the only way you can do that is ask Jesus to baptize you, the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I said, do you mind doing that? She said, will that give me more anointing? I said, yeah, we'll get more evidence of it. She said, I'm game. I said, okay. So I led her, you know, just in a prayer saying, Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Ghost. I just receive it as a free gift. And I just, I said, when you open up your mouth, God's going to just give you language and she was not quiet. <laughs> She's screaming in tongues. I mean, it's just screaming. And, you know, we were circling for minutes, but I guarantee you they called in an emergency. And it, <laughs> it, it helped us to land a lot faster. Well, I'm walking off the plane. And this is how love works. I'm walking off the plane. I've, the little boy's clinging to me. He's he not letting go, so I'm carrying him off the plane. We get off the plane with the mom, and I look up. There's 16 relatives ready to meet them. That's probably how, how many they figured it would take. <laughs> and when they saw me carrying the little boy, their mouths went wide open. And the mom had learned a new vocabulary word. So she screams across the airport, it's the anointing, stupid. <laughs> she got it. Well, she said, you, you, you need to meet my family. So they all, they all gathered around. She said, you need the anointing. Tell them about the anointing. So again, I told them how they received the anointing by receiving. They all prayed. But it was a love assignment. How many times does God show us something and we say, not now? I'm tired. I'm busy. I believe God wants to make us more sensitized. Come on now. He wants to give us those hearts. That we, you know, he's not going to nudge us on everybody. But he will give you assignments. And I don't care what age you are. He'll show you people that you, you can reach or he'll, or he'll prompt you to share something today with them. You know, I mean, maybe God knows the exact right time. You may see a friend that's going through something. And they weren't open before, but maybe because they're going through something, they finally know they need help. Be the answer. Love is the answer. Come on, share the love of God. Reach out, do what you can do so God can do what he can do. Does this make sense? God's trying to bring us back to honestly caring about him, loving him, allowing him to love on us, and then sharing that love with others. And some of you need to remember how God rescued you so you can rescue others because whatever God's done for you, you can become an authorized dealer of. If you receive mercy, you can show mercy. Come on. I, I said, God, what, 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 what's going on? And God says, if the church would just learn to love properly, everything will begin to work. You can do all the other things right and it still doesn't work. I have people ask me all the time, they say, I just don't understand why it, it's not working. And, they, and they're making the right confessions, they're doing all this stuff, but the motive isn't there. 
And I've watched people make some, not do everything right at all, but the heart was right. And it amazes me how God looks on the heart. And God wants to take out for us, some of us, He just wants to take out that fallow ground. He wants to get us back where we care again. And be honest with you, if you need someone to care for you, not Jesus cares for you. He wants to love on you, and then He wants to love through you. That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. If we would just get to that place, we would fight for people's freedom. We wouldn't give up on people because love doesn't. Many of us, we're staying here as testimonies of the fact God never gave up on us. And be honest with you, in the natural, everyone else did. And be honest with you, only God would be the one who wouldn't give up on us. I don't blame anyone who did. Come on. I want every head bowed, no one looking around. If you fall asleep, I pray God give you a dream. (laughs) It works either way. (laughs) First question I need to ask tonight is, you know, Jesus, he already paid the price. Love himself. God, God so loved the world that Jesus, he sent his only begotten son. He did something because he loved the world. He not only, he not only did something, he sent the best. Jesus loved you so much, he, he paid for all the sins you would ever commit on Calvary. There's nothing you can do that Jesus didn't pay for. And all the sins you ever commit, they won't keep you out of heaven. Except for the one sin of not receiving Christ. So there may be someone here, you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life. Don't try to be good enough. You'll never be good enough on your own. That's why you need Christ. You can't save yourself. There may be some people here today, maybe you walked away from God, but God's never, he's never forgotten you. He still loves you. He just wants you to come home. Is there anyone here today say, I'm not right with God and I need to get right tonight? If that's you, raise your hand now. I see that. Anyone else say, that's me tonight. Raise your hand up real high. I see that hand. Anyone else say, that's me tonight. I got to get right. I see that hand. See that hand. The love of God is just drawing people, drawing people, drawing people, drawing. Some of you, 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 know, you know at one time you were madly in love with Jesus, but you got to get back to your first love. you gotta get, you got to get back to the place. And, and, and honestly, God hasn't changed his feelings towards you. He just wants you to connect back with him. You draw near to him, he'll jump right in the middle, change everything. But if you want prayer tonight to get right with God, can I pray for you right now? And some of you, you may say, well, I got to get my, I, I know I'm saved. I, I, I know I'm not totally backslid, but I need to start caring again. And if that's you, I want you to come up too, because God's going to do some heart surgery. He's going to take out the heart of stone. He's going to put in the heart of flesh. He's going to break up some fallow ground tonight. If, if you want prayer, come on up right now. Come on up right now. 
Come on, come on, come on, come on. Be bold about it. Be bold about it. Be bold about it. Let's give them a hand as they come. Be bold about it. Come on now, be bold about it. Some of you just came back to the place where you're loving again. We can harden ourselves. Our hearts can be hard with the deceitfulness of sin. But the good news is we can just repent, change our mind, change our focus back to Jesus, reconnect. And the good news is He totally accepts us, He totally forgives us, and He totally cleanses us from all unrighteousness so that we'll be free again to serve Him. I want everyone to say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank You for Your love. Thank You that You paid for all my sins. Thank You for Your blood that cleanses me from all unrighteousness. You died. You were buried. You rose again. All because you love me. And Lord, I just confess, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. And I thank you for your blood that covers and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I thank you now. I'm back where I belong. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I'm released that anointing right now in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for the love of God compelling them, God. I thank you that this is a breakthrough moment, Lord, in these lives. I thank you, God, that, Lord Jesus, they're going to be used for good. I thank you that, Lord, you're beginning to work all things together for good. Lord, when we receive your love and we begin to love you, We start learning purpose and you work everything together for good according to your own purpose. Father, we release that anointing now. Something's beginning to break up here. Freedom's coming back. Our heart's going to become softened again in Jesus' name. There's going to be a move of compassion like never before in the name of Jesus. This is a new day. You know, God just put his life and his love. He shed abroad his love in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We're going to be an army of lovers. Come on now. We're going to love people. We may not love everything they do, but we're going to love people. We're going to make a difference for good. Lord, I release that anointing now in Jesus' name. God, you're using us, God. You're using us to change the world. I release that now. Something's beginning to break in this place now. Some of you, you know, you know, you know, you know that mercy is beginning to flow in Jesus' name. How many of you tonight, you you may need a healing in your body tonight. Just stand up where you are. We're not trying to get God to heal us, by the way. He purchased our healing 2,000 years ago. If you're trying to get healed, that's, that's wrong. What we're trying to do is keep the devil from stealing our health because God's already given us a healing. Come on now. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. By his stripes, we were healed. By his stripes, we were healed. Hallelujah. 
Healing's already the children's bread. It belongs to us. If you're born again, healing belongs to you. So I, Lord, right now I curse every sickness, every disease, every infirmity in the name of Jesus. And we speak, be healed in Jesus' name. Bodies line up with the Word of God in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that growths dis- that dissolve, Father, in Jesus' name. Blood cells get normal in Jesus' name. Blood pressure comes into line. Backs and knees and legs. God, it's all covered. We receive healing by faith. Some of you right now, God's beginning to quicken your mortal body. Someone's digestive tract is being healed right now. Some of you, those nerve endings are finally going to relax and you're going to be pain free. It's yours. Love purchased it. God loved you so much, He left you an inheritance that covered everything you would ever need. All that you need for life and godliness. All you need for this life to be an overcomer is in the package. It's already been provided. We're not even getting trying to get God to do anything. He's already done it. Now we're putting faith in the finished work of Christ. Come on now. Something's happening right now. We believe your report, God. Report says we're healed. Your report says our needs are met according to your riches and glory. Your report says, come on. (laughs) We already got the victory. Your report said you'll satisfy us with long life. It's all because of love. It's free. Cost God everything. The only thing God asks you to do is believe it. Grace is his. Grace is what he's provided, abundant grace, even more grace. Whatever you need, there's grace for it. But faith appropriates grace. And say, God, I believe you've already done it. So, Lord, I just connect with you now. That's the way. Once we realize that, most of our prayers will be thanksgiving. We'll petition once and thank him for the rest of the time. God, we just we just cashing in on what you did. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Something's going on in here. You like this tonight? The last thing, and I'll hand it over to the pastor. How many of you want to be part of that love revolution, that love army? Stand up where you are. I believe there's an anointing going on in this place. We're presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. Father, may there be anointing for love. Give us love assignments. Give us love assignments. Father, I thank you right now that, God, you're raising up lovers, 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 just like you, Jesus. Filled with the love of God. Filled to overflowing compassion, God. This is a group of compassionate people, blessed of God. In Jesus' name, we give you the glory now. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen.